Welcome to Freelance Deals, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. This episode, I'm chatting to copywriter Louise Shanahan. Hello, Louise. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Brilliant. And also, I've just been a guest on your podcast. So it's so lovely to be able to swap guesting roles and, and, and see you again after chatting for yours. So I mentioned podcast there and I mentioned copywriter would you like to tell everybody exactly what you do as a freelancer tell us all the freelance that you do yeah so I'm a freelance health and medical copywriter at the copy prescription which is my business uh, so I work with all sorts of different medical companies health tech companies life sciences researchers all that sort of thing on website copywriting white paper copywriting content marketing basically any words that they might need and I also host the 15 Minute Freelancer podcast, which is kind of my outlet for talking about the ins and outs of freelance life, kind of like what you're doing here, but my episodes are only 15 minutes long. So it's nice and snack sized, uh, snack sized guide to being your own boss. That's kind of how I describe it. <laughs> so that's the sort of short story. <laughs> I love it because when, when we did your podcast as well, it was that idea of like keeping it to 15 minutes actually. Is, that's quite a challenge you set yourself, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it's really tricky, actually. When I first started out, I was thinking, oh, you know, I'd love to talk about my experience of freelancing. There's so much great content already out there and so many amazing freelancers who already have podcasts where they're talking about their experience of running their own business and the ups and downs and interviews and things like that. And I thought, how could I add something to that? What could I do differently? And it seemed like there were loads of really good podcasts that were maybe four or five minutes or an hour long. And I thought, well, 15 minutes would be a nice alternative to that where we can just focus on one specific question or topic or theme per, uh, per episode. And hopefully it's nice and easy to just sit down, hit record and chat for 15 minutes. But actually it's quite a lot, um, a lot more work than you would think to produce even just a short amount. So I don't know how the others are doing it with their longer episodes. <laughs> yeah, maybe longer. I guess people, ramp, there's the opportunity to sort of ramble and dig deeper when it's longer. But then, I mean, yeah, for people that listen to freelance films, I've constantly got my eye on the clock. So oh, another minute's just ticked on because you want to make sure you get all the things in that you want yeah. it's kind of like writing a feature really and making sure you're going to get to the end without writing 10,000 words instead of 2,000 isn't it yeah definitely so I don't spend too much time doing the sort of backstory and origin mm. story how did you become a freelancer kind of thing um we're kind of just dipping into the topics and you really can only really scratch the surface in 50 minutes but I hope that we do pack in quite a lot of tips and strategy and mindset stuff as well so people can always do their own digging afterwards if they want to get into the issue in a bit more detail <laughs> and I'll get you I'll put it in the show notes as well and I'll get you to tell us at the end everywhere people can find all the things that you do um but talking of backstory I would like to get your backstory <laughs> um, <laughs> have you always been freelance did you decide to go freelance at a certain point what brought you to being a freelance copywriter no I haven't always been a freelancer I had quite a, a major career change uh for the the first 10 years of my career I was actually a civil servant um so I worked in the Scottish government I started off as a temp and had eventually got a permanent job there worked through a whole range of different roles I had some really interesting uh and yeah some challenging roles while I was there but after yeah as I say about 10 years I thought this isn't quite where I see myself in the future it, I sort of fell into this by accident I'm still here this is not really how I want to spend you know the next 10 years of my career and for most of that time I'd been working in public health I also did a master's in public health uh, in health policy mm. and alongside all of that because it's kind of all these different um, 
sort of different channels and trains throughout your life that bring you to to a certain point so I'd also had some health issues myself I had thyroid cancer when I was in my early 20s so that had led me down this rabbit hole of following all these health and fitness people online and thinking what does it mean to be healthy how do I stay as healthy as possible and I was really interested in how they marketed themselves. So I started to see a little bit of behind the scenes of their launches and starting to understand about email marketing and funnels and things like that, just from observing it. And then obviously in my work, I was working on behavior change policies and writing reports to convince people of certain policy positions and all that sort of thing. So it kind of all came together and I thought I'd really like to try running my own business and seeing what it's like to work for myself. And so bringing those areas together, my experience of writing in government, of behavior change, of thinking about persuasion from that point of view, uh, my interest and experience in public health, and then discovering this world of marketing and copywriting, it felt like that's just the perfect fit. (laughs) Oh, it's like, because often people go freelance, it's a bit of a knee jerk, or perhaps they leave a job they didn't like, but it sounds like you did quite like your job, but it's just this other life called to you, this freelance does it feel like it was a calling? It sounds like it was a little bit. Is that true? Yeah, it was. I just, <laughs> it was just like a bolt of lightning. I thought, I want to see what it's like to work for myself. I had enjoyed much of my career, but it wasn't lighting me up, I suppose, mm. is the way that I would push it. Um, and so I just really liked the idea of being able to combine all those interests and combining psychology and empathy and writing, which is kind of at the core of copywriting uh so yeah it, it it was a very deliberate decision it wasn't necessarily I was running from my old job or anything like that it was just something I really wanted to try so because of that I had the advantage of being able to plan for quite a long time for how I was going to make that transition so that made a huge difference as well so I can say a little bit more about that process if that's yeah that would be brilliant I'd love to know what you did to plan because I'm sure there are lots of people I call them the freelance curious. So the people that are in the job, as they were before, thinking, oh, this, I like that, that grass looks green. Oh, nice. But what do I do? And everyone says, have a million pounds in the bank before you go freelance. And then people say, that's impossible. But did you do things like that? Were you really methodical in planning your freelance leap? Yeah, I, I was quite methodical about it. Um, I, I, I didn't save up a million pounds, but I did <laughs> save a big chunk uh, of my salary for the previous year before I left. So I kind of gave myself quite a long time um, to save up some money so that I'd have that buffer. Cause I think that makes a huge difference. Mm. Obviously not everybody's in a position to do that, but if you can, even a little bit makes yeah. such a big difference. Cause then you're in a much stronger position where you're not feeling like you have to say yes to every project that comes your way. Even if you think, I don't really want to do this. This is going to be a nightmare. They're not paying very much. You know, you can be a little bit more discerning about the kind of projects that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I saved up a bit and that also gave me the advantage because I was then used to living on a little bit of a lower income as well. <laughs> uh, it also meant that I was able to put some feelers out, get to know some people who might be interested in working with me when I did make the leap into freelancing full time. So I had a few projects on the back burner or in the background ready to go uh what else did I do I did some courses so I did some copy hackers courses which were great so that was really building up my confidence and starting to you know pay attention to what other freelancers were doing on LinkedIn and Twitter uh just to get a sense of what's actually like behind the scenes yes that's such a good piece of advice as well because were you on social media before or did you kind of start to see that as a oh if I'm going freelance I should probably 
I should probably get into this social media malarkey <laughs> because I know a lot of freelancers have the ick about social media. So was that yeah. a transition for you or were you a bit like, oh, now I've got to go look at social now? Or were you in it already because of what you did? Um, I was already, I mean, I already had the account, but I wasn't using it in a professional capacity at all. And if anything, I really sort of shied away from that because I was so conscious that if I said the wrong thing, it might reflect badly on government policy or something like that. You know, you would accidentally reveal something or say the wrong thing and it ends up in the Daily Mail. That was like a big fear. <laughs> uh, I so I, I definitely, you know, I had the accounts. So I used it, you know, just in my um, sort of personal capacity. Uh, but I wasn't using it professionally at all. So that was a big learning curve for me, definitely. Would you have any tips for people in that position? What helped you segue into using social media? You mentioned following. Would you sort of say that following's a, a bit of lurking? No, nice lurking, but yeah. watching what other people do and seeing how it all works before you jump in? Yeah, definitely. Just, I think lurking, I'm all for lurking. <laughs> yeah. See what other people are doing and then realising, oh, people are actually... You know, I, I kind of come into it thinking these people are going to be my competition, but mm. actually there's a lovely community here. Everyone seems really helpful. And I don't know if that was just pure luck that the people that I discovered initially on Twitter, I think it was the Content Club UK group that I sort yes, of came yeah, across initially. And everyone was just so supportive of each other, sharing advice, sharing the ups and downs, helping each other out with challenges just kind of cheering each other on as well and I thought oh I want to be part of this group (laughs) so yeah I started joining in with Content Club UK it's every Tuesday at 11 Mm -hmm. just give them a shout out (laughs) we like a shout out if there's anything else you want to uh, yeah yeah, we're all for a shout out in fact I should probably follow them on Twitter I've heard of them but I don't know if I've actually joined in with the chats I know freelance heroes do a chat as well on Mm -hmm. Thursday I think so yeah, yeah that was, was another one yeah it's a bit of an unusual thing is it because I think Twitter personally for Twitter as a former journalist Twitter's sort of this zone of ooh opinions and quite a mean place and there's often talk of trolling but it sounds there like Twitter's actually a really positive place for you did you were you quite surprised by that was was it a bit of a surprise that Twitter wasn't just a troll bed <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I think definitely a big chunk of it is does does fit that characterization for sure um I think I hadn't really used it that much beforehand I wasn't an active user so I didn't really have any sort of preconceived ideas about what to expect from it uh but definitely I felt quite lucky to discover this really positive group and I felt like oh I could make some friends here and which I did go on to do uh and also in other groups as well like the being freelance group and uh there was oh I've forgotten the name of it a couple of other copywriting groups. I can maybe see if I remember and I'll give you the links. Yes. Uh, but then having said that, that was sort of five or six years ago. So I think some of these groups, because I used Facebook groups a bit then, I don't use Facebook mm. now. And some of those groups were great, but they did get very big and I'm not sure they had quite the same uh, sense of community after, mm. you know, when they end up with thousands and thousands of people in them. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. They can get so big that people start spamming and they've got to be really well admin for people not to, things not to get lost yeah. in there. Would you say that you found work through social media as well? Has that been a good outlet for finding copy work and, and other kinds of things to do with work? Yeah, I would say probably about a third of the work that I do now comes via leads from LinkedIn. So. Oh, I would say Twitter is kind of, I use Twitter just to sort of connect with other freelancers and that's the sort of uh, community aspect. But uh, most of my 
uh, leads that I get through social media are through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And then the remaining two thirds are through sort of word of mouth or longstanding clients. Uh, so yeah, I'm a big advocate of using LinkedIn. I mean, it depends on yes. what your services are and the kind of clients that you want to work with, but that's definitely worked for me. <laughs> well, I said yes there. And do you know what? About a year ago, I would never have gone yes for LinkedIn because I know so many people out of all, I think some people don't even see it as a social media platform. They see it as, as something other because it feels worky, but then it is a social media platform. And I completely agree with you that actually it's, it is a place that you can find a lot of contacts and, and it is more worky rather than here are just my dogs or here is my walk mm -hmm. down the street sort of videos um would you encourage people to to be on linkedin if they're going to go freelance do you feel like if they're not they're really missing something there yeah i think so i think the first thing to think about is who are the types of clients that you want to work with and then think about where they are and i would imagine that for most uh b2b creative freelancers you'll find an audience on linkedin but that might not always be the case you know if you have designers or photographers listening maybe instagram would be a better option mm, mm. so it's worth thinking about you know you don't have to do all the platforms i definitely don't think that's really doable <laughs> uh I, i'm a big advocate of linkedin because that's worked for me and the kind of work that i do mm -hmm. uh, but it does depend on the kind of projects that you want to do and the kind of clients and you know always go where your clients are already uh, and as long as it's a, a platform that you enjoy using, I think if you absolutely hated LinkedIn, then it's maybe not the, the platform for you. But yeah. it's definitely worked for me. And um, yeah, so I would definitely recommend it. <laughs> and then um, what have been the challenges? Because there's a lot of really brilliant, and I don't want to be like, oh, they're negative things, but there's lots of positives there and the, the pre-planning of your freelance and putting yourself out there. But what, what's, what kinds of things have challenged you since you went freelance? I think one of the one of the main challenges is well I always say this is one of the biggest challenges but it's also one of the biggest advantages as yeah. well and that's that you are making all the decisions yourself <laughs> so on one hand hooray this is great I get to make all the decisions I get to decide what I'm doing I get to decide what projects I'm doing I get to decide how I spend my days it's like it's such a huge sense of freedom and autonomy which is really really valuable to me but on the other hand it does get quite exhausting sometimes yes. sometimes you think and I don't know if you feel like this sometimes but I certainly feel like oh it'd be really nice just to have someone to tell me what to do today yes. or it'd be really nice to have a sounding board you know especially if there's something you're trying to figure out should I do this or that uh it'd be really nice to have someone to talk mm. that through with and yeah. you can find that you know if you join mastermind groups or you just have other uh, freelancers that you you can chat to and run things by them get their take on things um, but yeah that's definitely one of the biggest challenges I would say is just the sort of decision fatigue <laughs> decision fatigue that's a really good way of describing it because I know that and I do say this to people sort of find a freelance buddy that you can talk with one-on-one -on -one, or you know find a group maybe try and join make a, make a whatsapp group if there aren't other people if you're not in one see if there's a few people in your niche that want to be in a whatsapp group but there's nothing that can replace turning to someone in an office and be like hey what do you think about this or oh i want to do a quick video will you video me even so even when you're doing your own content unless you've got a yeah. selfie that you know someone to just video you doing something for a reel perhaps or, or that kind of thing and running mm. some content past somebody i've been dabbling yeah. in a co-working space which I'm going to do a bit more of in August. But do you feel like mm -hmm. that's a potential? Do you get out of the house sometimes and go to cafes perhaps? I know you're in Edinburgh, so you're probably not going to go to any yeah. cafes for a month, are you, in August? Because <laughs> no. <laughs> the festival. You're like, stay No, they're absolutely packed, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I have been a member of a couple of different co-working spaces and I think that on the on the plus side it's really good to get out and not just be sort of stuck in your own bubble at home all the time mm. but on the other hand it does feel like a bit of a luxury because it's not essential so if it's quite hard to find one that's you know a, a reasonable price that you're not just feeling like oh I'm just paying to get out of the house uh, I didn't find you know it was a great way to meet other freelancers that live locally it didn't really lead to any work I don't think uh, but that maybe just depends on the places that you're going. And probably if I talked about what I was doing more, that would help. <laughs> you can get so embroiled in chatting when you're in a uh, co-working space. Actually, you find the day's gone. And when you're in an office yeah, and being paid, it's fine to have a quick chat for half an hour because yeah, you're being paid. Yeah, but... <laughs> that is, yeah, it's nice to be sociable. But then sometimes you go and, you know, uh, everyone's got their headphones on and they're listening to their music while they're working. And you think, well, this is not really that necessary so yeah. it may as well be at home <laughs> I do like working from the cafe in my gym I do that a lot so that kind of breaks up my day so I usually spend I go to the gym first thing do my workout and then I uh, I do my work in the cafe at the gym for the rest of the morning and then spend the afternoon working at home so there's a nice little routine there which I think makes a big difference <laughs> and you mentioned the gym there so is gym a big part of your self-care is exercise a big thing for you as a freelancer and in your routine yeah, I would say so. I don't know if I've necessarily thought of it so sort of specifically in those terms about self-care, but definitely it's something that I enjoy. It's something that I try to do most days of the week, the, you know, Monday to Friday anyway. Uh, I do find that I'm it's easier to concentrate when I've done a little bit of movement first mm. thing. Uh, so if I'm not going to the gym, I would definitely go for a walk. And I think there's a big risk, you know, if you're working from home, you're on your own, you're at your desk. It's easy to just end up sitting all day and being sedentary and you know I mentioned that I worked in public health mm. in my previous career and I was in physical activity for a, a chunk of that so it's kind of ingrained in my mind that I do need to get out and get some movement <laughs> yeah so you kind of like got to, got to practice what you preached <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> do you have an exercise of choice at the gym uh, I like weightlifting I'm not nice. too fussy about which ones I do yeah quite partial to a deadlift <laughs> Ooh, that's right I'm not gonna say it's trendy because that feels like the wrong word but that's I'm reading a lot about women and lifting and not just doing cardio and that strength over sort of you know strength over skinny and that kind of thing that feels like it probably gets a lot of the oof of freelancing out if you go lifting weights. yeah Mm. yeah and actually the funny thing is I think there are lots of parallels to be drawn or you know Ooh. fitness and strength training is a, a good analogy for running a freelance business because you're always having to you, you know you need to be consistent to see results you've got to enjoy the process and be patient and you know the, the amount of effort you put in reflects the results and things like that um I think there are lots of analogies to be drawn there <laughs> I love that I love an analogy like my friends don't look at me now because I was like what's your next freelance analogy but yeah like that idea that you want to go up a few weights, but you've got to build mm -hmm. up to it. And then you've got to dare to lift the next weight up, right? You've got to kind of go for it with one that might, you might not have lifted before. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It can feel a bit intimidating sometimes, but then mm. you think, you know, oh, I haven't lifted this much before. But then, you know, you put the effort in, you put the reps in, you practice, you build up your strength. You know, you're always sort of, you know, flexing the muscles. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then eventually you do it and it's a real sense of empowerment. Um, and I think it builds up a sort of inner strength that translates across to running a business as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. That. You should like, be a creative writer. That's really cool. <laughs> <That's a great laughs> I can see your creativity really coming out there. That's brilliant. <laughs> Yay, analogies. Um, Let's talk about your podcast, because as I'm understanding it, the podcast was never part of the grand plan. It sort of came to you. Tell us about how 
how you came to do the podcast, what inspired you to do it. And then I'd love after that to get some advice from people who are going, oh, I'd like to start a podcast. I'll just do it on a Tuesday night. It'd be really easy. (laughs) (laughs) When did you decide to create your podcast and what led you to deciding to do it? Yeah, so I started the podcast in January 2021. So we were in one of the lockdown periods in Scotland then. Um, I can't really remember if they lined up with elsewhere in the UK, but we were in lockdown we just had, you know, we'd been allowed out quote marks, <laughs> over Christmas. Yeah. And then there was a huge surge in COVID cases. So we had a, another lockdown and I was just feeling a bit like, when is this going to end? We had long, dark nights. I wasn't getting out very much. Couldn't see friends and family so easily. And I just needed a project. And I wanted to try and do something where I could connect with other people. I'd always had in the back of my mind this idea that I would really like to try podcasting. And I'd actually bought the mic and it had been on my Ooh. shelf for like six months and I never got around to using it. I thought, I'm just going to start that. That'll be my lockdown project. Um, so I was a, a huge fan of podcasts, an avid listener of other podcasts. So I was quite keen to learn what's it like from the other side. And then I suppose the reason that I chose to talk about freelance, freelancing as opposed to perhaps doing one about copywriting mm. was really that I felt like I had a lot to say about it. I was seeing lots of advice to freelancers and I felt like I maybe had a different perspective to offer. Mm. There was a lot of advice about, you know, kind of hustle and productivity and this is a real struggle and I thought it doesn't have to be any of those things I mean sure at times you do have to put in the hours at times it's definitely challenging but also there are ways to set up your business where it doesn't have to be a constant struggle or you don't have to be you know working every hour that you possibly can you can have systems and processes and find ways to do it that actually work for you so I thought well it'd be quite fun to just every week maybe I'll just record 15 minutes chat about something that's been on my mind that week um and hopefully other people will kind of enjoy seeing behind the curtain on how I'm running my business maybe that'll be helpful for them and it's kind of evolved from there so I just initially committed to doing six episodes I said I'll do six and I'll see if I like it and then we'll take it from there and now we've got maybe 70 episodes wow and they're not just solo ones now I do interviews obviously we've done one as well which if we get it depending on when the timing works out that one will be going out on this friday <laughs> excellent excellent so you mix uh, so it up sometimes it's you and sometimes it's an interviewee that's i guess that's quite a good yeah. tip isn't it and also the six episodes that's a brilliant idea don't plan i don't know if you'd agree with this probably based on your six episodes don't plan like 10 series and like in five years time i'll have this many episodes maybe just do a couple see how you feel get used to the <laughs> software get used to your style i suppose you you find your style yeah. as you go along a little bit don't you did you find that yeah, definitely. And I think with six episodes, it's a manageable amount. So, mm. you, you know, if you say, oh, I've got an idea, I'm going to record an episode and you sit down and you do one or two and you think that was great. And then you think, OK, what should I do next? <laughs> Whereas, uh, you know, if you do six, you've also got a bit of time to see, do I like doing this? Does this fit into the rest of my work week? How am I going to organize this? Are people actually listening to it as well? You need to give it a bit of time. Six episodes is not really enough to to build up an audience, but it does give you a sense. You know, are people who are the people who listen to this enjoying it at least? Mm, mm. Uh, so yeah, has it helped you and your work to talk about freelancing on a podcast? Has it actually helped you and your business? I mean, I, I guess from the point of view of clarity with your business and enjoyment, and also clients, has it has it been a bonus to do this for your business as well? A podcast. Yeah, I think it has in a few different ways. I think 
I have actually noticed that I've had more leads coming in since I started it. And it's difficult to attribute that purely to the podcast. But a couple of people have said, oh, I heard your podcast and I wondered if you were taking on this kind of work. Um, so, you know, I'm not I'm not talking about health copywriting on the podcast, really. But I do think people get a sense of what my approach is like. You know, podcasting, it's a very intimate medium, isn't it? You know, we're right in people's ears right now. Yeah, hello, everybody. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> So they do get a sense of what your personality is like, what your work ethics like. And I think also if you're doing a, a kind of advice based mm. podcast, which is really what this is, it does position you in a kind of position of authority. It gives you some credibility yeah. as well. So I think it has definitely helped in that regard with uh, generating clients, getting maybe a bit more traffic to my website, that mm. kind of thing. But yeah. I think as well, because I mentioned earlier, a lot of my leads come through referrals from other freelancers. Actually having that freelance audience has been really helpful as well, because I've got to know loads more people than I knew before. And I think if people are listening to me and they, you know, I'm not talking about health copywriting, but that's what they know me for. Then if a job comes up that they don't want to do or it's not a great fit for them, they can pass on my name. Yeah. So it works really well that way, too. I get that. There's a visibility element, isn't there? And I guess it shows that you've got yeah. those skills as well. You're kind of saying to people... A, you can take on a side project and make it work. And B, well, now you have podcasting skills. So if the next person who wants some copywriting says, oh, could you do some audio for us as well? You're like, actually, kind of, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I haven't done that, but I guess it's an option. <laughs> yeah, you can put that in now. So I can also do some audio. I found that through doing reels on Instagram. It's actually, I've, I've, I'm no reels expert, but the amount of time I spend doing Instagram, I'm now starting to say to other people, oh, I can show you what to do. And then a client wanted some social media along with some writing. And I was like, actually, I think I'd have the capacity to do what that person needs. Just because I've been messing, you know, obviously I want to just justify yeah. messing about on Instagram, basically. But you know, <laughs> these things can lead. Would you have um, advice for people who are, they might be the person with the microphone on the shelf that's been there for six months. Or they might be thinking of buying a mic or dent, but they, they think they'd like to start a podcast. What kind of advice would you have for them? I guess sort of positive and realistic perhaps so so obviously not be careful it's really hard work but also mm, be careful it's quite hard work <laughs> what kind of <laughs> things would you advise people who might have the mic on the shelf like you had back in 2021 yeah I think I think that's a really good point I think it's uh it, it is hard work but if you enjoy it it's much easier to stay consistent so I think you need to be very clear about what your goal is. If you're doing this to generate leads for your business, then you need to be quite specific about the type of audience that you're targeting and the kind of content that you're going to produce. And you need to be sure that this is something that's going to resonate with them and that you're going to be able to do consistently because it is quite a bit of work. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, I think if you're doing it for fun or you just want to learn about, you know, the art of podcasting, it's just something that you feel compelled to do or you want to connect with other people, then that's totally fine too. And just be clear about that. Mm -hmm. I think maybe one one trap that I've fallen into is that I do really enjoy doing this and it's very easy to get distracted and spend time on podcasting rather than my day job which mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't do but so that's maybe another pitfall to watch out for so I think it's useful to plan out your time and think about how am I going to do this one thing that I think is something that I well this is something that I aspire to do but I don't always stick to is trying to re record in batches yes. and then you're maybe ahead of the game so you're not recording week by week because then you get in a bit of a panic if it gets to you know if you're you're going to publish on a Friday and it's Thursday night and you haven't recorded anything yet <laughs> 
but that's the same idea you know if you had a weekly newsletter or a weekly blog that would be the same so I think if you can try and batch then that will make it a little bit more manageable yeah that's such good advice because I veer between the two I tend to try and batch but then sometimes something will happen and I end up recording very close to putting out and you're right you put yourself under a pressure that you you, this self-imposed short deadline that doesn't need to be there yeah um, I would totally add to that as well. Don't get distracted. I don't know if you would agree with this, but don't get extracted. Don't get extracted as a matter (laughs) of course. Don't get distracted by like alternative guests to the ones on your schedule. Um, I often go, oh, what about that person? Well, if I move them there and I put them around there and I put that and then suddenly my schedule's completely out because I've seen someone that I want to interview. Yeah. Do you stick strictly to a guest list or are you quite flexible with it? I know I'm a bit more ad hoc I think because I'm doing it every single week and I think if maybe you were doing seasons Mm. then it would make sense to maybe plan out the content around particular themes or something like that but I'm quite ad hoc about it so sometimes I will just see someone post something on LinkedIn I think oh that'd be an interesting thing to talk about let's dig into that Uh, so I did that quite recently actually I I had done an episode about discovery calls and what needs to go into them. And I just happened to see someone post, uh, it was Kerry Watt, who's a PR expert. Mm. And she had posted on in response to someone else. So I never do discovery calls. And I thought, well, that would be a really interesting alternative take. So I just sent her a DM and we recorded the next day, pretty much. So that's, Mm. it's quite ad hoc. I do kind of just follow my interests. I've got a kind of running list of ideas that I want to talk about Mm. and guests that I would really like to speak to as well so I do have that kind of um longer term planning let's say longer term we're talking like you know a month or something (laughs) uh but yeah I do quite like to be flexible about it too and then I can kind of follow my interest brilliant do you have dream guests is there anyone like major like celeb wise or in your industry that you're like oh yeah if they were coming on like clear the diary oh I don't know do you know I've not really thought about that I've actually quite enjoyed speaking to people who are in my own community and it Mm. feels a bit more like uh it's a someone that you can relate to so I'm imagining that someone listening to this podcast will hear someone who is doing something similar to them and how Mm. have they worked through a particular challenge or uh how how are they organizing their business so that's kind of the vibe that I'm going for so Mm. I don't know I think yeah I'd have to think about that who would be my my dream guest It's a tough one. I have these lofty ideas of, you know, like all the dragons from Dragon's Den on a mega episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Before I get you to tell everyone where they can find you and the podcast and everything else you'd like to share, what would be your sort of one piece of advice for people who are freelance and perhaps aren't quite feeling the happy feels? Would you have a piece of advice for people to sort of help them along their way if they've been listening to this and they're sort of thinking, oh, I'm I'm not loving the freelancing so much. What would be your advice for them? Mm, that's uh that's a great question I think my one piece of advice would be about finding people to talk to about that I think finding your particular corner of the freelance community makes such a big difference whether that is you know a group that's already set up with a name (laughs) or whether it's just a, a group of people that tend to be on the same threads on Twitter Uh, whether it's someone you know whether it's an in-person networking group that you go to or just one or two freelancing friends I think finding people that you can talk to about what you're going through makes such a big difference 
and then you know you can cheer each other on you can share your problems you can get their advice on how to deal with things so I think yeah finding community whatever that looks like for you is definitely my number one tip whatever stage you're at in your freelancing journey it's not unusual is it for more established freelancers to feel wobbly as well it's not exclusively reserved for newbie freelancers to to feel out of their depth and so on no not at all and I think as you as you move along in this journey the challenges that you're facing change as well and your feelings about what you're doing change so it makes sense that maybe people that you've been friends with or connecting with or groups that you've been part of earlier on in your career you kind of not that you outgrow them it doesn't have to be anything sort of uh, I don't that feels a bit negative but you just change you're looking for different things and maybe you need to find a different variety of people who share the same issues that you're now facing as you move on in your career so yeah I think it, it definitely is something to be mindful of whatever stage you're at yeah that's brilliant I love that and so seamlessly if people are looking for advice also they can get it from your podcast. They can. <laughs> so would you like to tell everyone, remind us of the names and remind us where we can find everything to do with you. If people are looking for health copywriting, they want to listen to the podcast, everything you'd like to share, social handles. Let's hear it all so that people can <laughs> connect with you. Yeah, so the podcast is called 15 Minute Freelancer. And so you can find that on whatever podcasting platform you use. Brilliant. We also have a, a newsletter, 15minutefreelancer.substack.com so that has some added extras and bonus content nice. uh, you can find me on LinkedIn Louise Shanahan and my copywriting website is thecopyprescription.com if you're curious about why I actually do for a day job <laughs> fantastic well Louise thank you so much I wish you all the best and I hope it's not too stressful living in Edinburgh during the <laughs> will you get to some shows do you go to some Edinburgh shows when you're yeah I hope so I haven't booked anything yet but that's definitely on my list <laughs> Brilliant. Well, yeah it'll be a lot of fun I'm sure excellent well thank you for joining me thank you very much that's great thank you so much for having me